This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Chuck Fouts and Jonathan Rippey join us to talk about what's new in NetApp Trident. Hey, yo, check this out. This is Flavor Flav in the building for devs. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipark. Zipark. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with me today. We have some special guests from the Trident team. Uh, first of all, we have Chuck Fouts, since he's the new guy. Sorry, Rippy. Uh, Chuck, uh, who are you and how do I reach you? I'm the product owner for Trident, uh, which we're here to talk about today. And uh, you can reach me at fchuck at netapp.com. Fchuck, huh? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. I tried to get that changed, but I got hired on, but that was a no go. It's weird because I don't think I've ever heard that order of operations for the emails, but whatever. Maybe somebody didn't like you. So uh, also with us today, Jonathan Rippey. Uh, hi, Jonathan. What do you do and how do we reach you? Hi, Justin. I'm a developer on uh, the Trident team. I'm on uh, Twitter, on the pub, Twitter at, JK, at JK Rippey. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, Chuck is also on the pub, I believe, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, you know, before we start, let's talk about that pub. So, uh, what is the pub? Uh, well, the pub is, well, you can get to it at going to netapp.io, right? And uh, the first thing that you're going to see there is you're going to see a bunch of different projects, but you can click on Trident and see blog posts that uh, mainly our TME Bala has put up there. And there's also a link into the Slack channel there. So, there's a Slack channel or a Slack. Um, instance where you can go and join uh, various different channels. Uh, our, we are in the Pound Containers channel, uh, but there's other products there as well that you can go in and just ask questions. So there's a lot of NetApp people there, but there's also a lot of uh, people that are using our products that go there to ask questions and help each other out. All right. Excellent. And it's pretty much real time. I mean, there's always somebody in there monitoring. And if you don't get an answer right away, it happens pretty quickly. Yep, that's right. Um, I mean, what you want to do is you want to do an at here or at everyone to ping everybody in the channel because that's the best. Please don't. That's the best. <laughs> that's please don't. Do. <laughs> please just do at Justin. That's think that's better. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you want to guarantee never getting an answer, that's the yeah. way to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, that's that's the pub, and you can reach Chuck and Jonathan and many others there, including myself. Occasionally, I'll I'll, I'll pop in there when I remember. Um, so. We're here to talk about Trident, and we want to talk about the new stuff. But first, let's kind of level set for everyone. You know, what is Trident? Trident's, uh, Trident provides a way to dynamically provision storage with containers uh, using Docker or in a Kubernetes cluster. Uh, a lot of the customer focus right now is on Kubernetes, uh, where in the early days it was in Docker. Uh, Trident itself is about six years old at this point. Uh, so we were in there pretty early, and, and Rippy was... Uh, in the containers before anybody else uh, from what I remember. Uh, so now Trident has 10 storage drivers that allow uh, Trident to be used on-prem and like on-prem data centers or in AWS, GCP, and also with uh, Azure NetApp files in Azure. So with Trident, uh, it's a plugin, right? So basically you can use it in your existing uh, environment, whether it's Kubernetes or uh, you know Docker containers, right? Yep. Yes. Cool. 
Uh, have you guys seen the, the cameo that that went that came out with Flavor Flav? What is Kubernetes? Well, the answer is a Kubernetes cluster is a set of node machines for running containerized applications. If you're running Kubernetes, you're running a cluster. So let's talk more about um, Kubernetes now. So what is what are people using Kubernetes for and what sort of adoption rate are you seeing with Kubernetes? Uh, well, we're seeing a rapid adoption rate with Kubernetes. We're seeing, you know, a couple of years ago, it was just people were, you know, kind of kicking the tires, uh, setting up a Kubernetes cluster and trying it out. And now they went from having you know, test environments to having a production environment to having multiple Kubernetes clusters um, within a single company. Uh, even, you know, they might split it up between business units um, or whatever. But basically what, it, what it's allowing um, the customers, the problems that, that they're solving is that they don't have to contact a storage admin directly. They're able to set up a Kubernetes cluster um, you know, give some access rights. Um, the storage admin will probably go in and set up the backend config and has access to that. Uh, but then the users can dynamically provision storage. And for a lot of these applications that they're provisioning, um, they're provisioning fairly small volumes. We're seeing something around like 10 gigabytes for a lot of the volumes that are being provisioned. Uh, so that means lots and lots and lots of volumes are being provisioned. Um, so, and we've had to add storage drivers to address that. So, and a storage driver is basically how we, um, within Trident, support uh, all the different backends. So, we support ONTAP, we support uh, Element, we support um, Cloud Volume Services in AWS, GCP, and ANF, and we also support uh, Cloud Volumes ONTAP. Um, but Yes, any series. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to that small volume thing, we also have uh, two drivers, the ONTAP NAS economy driver and the ONTAP SAN economy driver, where um, they, well, like the SAN economy driver will have multiple LUNs inside of one FlexFall, uh, but to the end user, each one of those LUNs is a PVC um, that is a volume in Kubernetes. Okay. So uh, as far as, Kubernetes and, and um, Trident goes. I mean, we have a service called Project Astro, which kind of does this for you in the cloud. D does Trident tie into Astro at all? Is it being used? Trident's uh, a core component of Astro. So uh, we've already have, you know, all the story storage provisioning stuff that is needed. So Astro is, um, yes, <laughs> to answer your question. All right, excellent. Yeah, I kind of figured it was, but you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to do this whole like service thing without using the tools we already have that work really well. Right. There's a lot of other stuff that goes around uh, Trident in Astra. You know, not to downplay anything else in Astra, uh, is, but Trident is proving to be a, a very reliable thing because it's already been around for a while. So it's yeah, it's being used a lot. Now, would you say that Trident is the best part about Astra? I mean, I know you're a little biased, but, you know, you feel free to be honest. Uh, it's pretty good, but there's <laughs> a lot of functionality that's being added to Astra that doesn't really fit into Trident. Oh, okay. Yep. All right, enough about Astra. We're talking about Trident here. So 
Trident, uh, it has new releases uh, every now and then, and Rippy always does a great job of explaining that cadence. So, so Rippy, um, what's our cadence for Trident? Uh, you always, you know, always have to do the mental math. Yeah. So we 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 have a, a, a like um every three months. So January. So we have the 01, 04, 07, and ten release every year. That's our, that that's our cadence that we've been following for the past uh, since we started, actually, as far as I can remember. Um, so yeah, so we've, I think we last talked maybe last July, August, September. It's been a while. So I think we've had a couple of releases since we last talked, uh, Justin. So a bunch always, of new features. I always forget if it's like monthly or like if Venus is in retrograde or yeah, what. it's like Easter where it's like <laughs> you have to, the vernal equinox is involved and there's no, it's, it's, it's the second and third Thursday of April and March. Yes. Yes. It's, it's so easy. See, just use the decoder ring. No, it's, right. it's, 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 yeah, 01, 04, 07, 010. All right, cool. So th- those are our releases, and you mentioned there's, a, there's been a couple releases, or at least a few releases the last time we talked. So okay. let's, let's talk about that. What new stuff has come in Trident since the last time we talked? And I, and I know that's a hard question to answer because I, we don't know the last time we talked. So let me just verify that last time we talked. <laughs> yeah. And while you're doing that, I'll, 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 I'll get the easy part, which is every time, you know, we constantly add support for new Kubernetes versions, so that's that's one piece of each of the new of our new releases. So, um, yeah. So since we last talked, I'm sure we've added uh, support for new Kubernetes versions that we didn't support the last time we talked, <laughs> as well as new features. So, Chuck, what have we gotten in Trident since the last time me and Rippy spoke, which was around August of this year? Yes, we've had two releases since August: the 2010 release and the 2101 release, which is October and January. Um, respectively. And in those releases, we've had topology support added for Kubernetes, which allows us uh, to make sure that the the right backend is provisioned uh, for the right uh, compute or worker node in Kubernetes. Uh, And that way, um, those workloads are in the right space so that the customer doesn't get charged additional money, especially in the cloud. Uh, that's a problem where if you're not in the right zone, uh, when you provision something, you can have uh, tra- additional traffic cost. And, and, and part, a part of that is that we, do, we can delay the creation of the storage until the, um, the pod is scheduled. So it's just in time creation yep. of the, of the storage that the customer is asking. So, yep. so the pod, the pod is what the, is what's running your container. And your container, like if you were using a database or some other stateful set, it needs storage. That's where Trident comes in. And with this topology over storage, you can delay the creation if you desire until the pod comes up and then create it in the right spot at the right time, just in time. Yeah. That was a new feature added into Kubernetes to wait for first consumer volume binding mode. Yep. Uh, other features that we were added was, um, this was kind of an interesting use case. We had a customer that came to us about one of the, the ONTAP NAS economy driver and said, you're putting 200 volumes into this one flex wall. Well, it's really Q trees underneath. And they were like, uh, our workload uh, doesn't really match that. So we've now allowed it to where you can configure exactly how many Q trees we're gonna put into um, that flex wall. And then with the 2101 release, we also extended that to the ONTAP uh, SAN economy driver so that you can specify the number of lines uh, based on whatever workloads you're running against it. It's still constrained within a range, but we do allow them some more finer grain control of how many that they can. Before they had no no control over how many they could create, but now we have a, a, a minimum range and a maximum range, and they can specify exactly what they want. 
And I would imagine the maximum range is the upper limit of what a volume can have for key trees. We don't go that high. Oh, you um, don't go up to 4,995? No. Um, <laughs> we go up to 300. What? That's not economy. <laughs> it's economy. That's coupons, man. <laughs> so um, speaking of economy drivers and key trees, what, what about flex groups? Huh? 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 We no? do have a flex group driver. Oh, you got flex group driver. You got economy driver for flex groups? We don't have that. End of podcast. Done. Okay. <laughs> well, if you'd like to file a feature request with our product owner, have you Oh, my to God. I've tried. <laughs> yeah. So another feature that we added was being able to add uh, labels to the uh, backing volumes. Uh, this allows the customer. Well, we, we kept getting requests for the customer to basically custom name the backing volume so that they could put metadata into the volume name. And that just doesn't scale very well across the 10 storage drivers that we uh, support. So we added volume labels, uh, which allows them to put things in like, you know, cost centers uh, and other billing information or, you know, what other metadata that they need on the volume. Uh, Let's see. And and when we talk about a volume, when, when Chuck says volume there, he doesn't necessarily just mean an on-tap volume. He means whatever storage, whatever Kubernetes volume that you created. So we'll, we'll place these labels. It, it, they, they could wind up on different storage objects, but uh, yeah. But mostly we mean like uh, the higher level volume, like, like comment fields on the on-tap volume. So. Okay. It's well, to help people, it's to help people track it down later to understand where their, where, where their expenses are coming from. So right. with, with that, I mean, is it pretty easily to search, you know, easily to, to, or sorry, is, is it pretty to easy to search for it? Or is it like, you know, how do they find these labels? Well, so what they're doing is like, okay, if you have multiple Kubernetes clusters, right, uh, you can already put or prepend uh, the storage volume name uh, with a prefix. And they're using that to kind of figure out what owns that particular volume. So they're running analytics on uh, the back end, uh, basically to find out what, you know, what owns what. So as far as saying, you know, how they're going to actually use it, we just put it out there. So we're kind of, this is one of the things that we do is that we'll, we get this request, we put it out there, we uh, basically make a minimum viable product and then we really, since we release every three months, we wait for the customer to come back either through like our GitHub issues because Trident's an open source project. I don't think we talked about that before. Um, so they can open up a GitHub issue or they can come into pound containers and the Slack channel, or they can contact our account team. And then uh, there was just something earlier today on like QS, QoS policy groups. We just put that out there and we already have another request on how to tweak that. Um, so that's kind of what we do. So uh, with volume labels, since we just put it out there, we're kind of waiting to see, you know, who's going to come back and say what they need. Oh, and I should also mention the field because the field, like our solution architects are also involved in um, that Slack channel uh, as well as, you know, filing their own GitHub issues on uh, stuff that they see that the customer needs. So there's multiple ways to get things in the Trident. Do you find many people submitting their own fixes since it's open source or are they just basically opening issues and then you guys handle it? We occasionally get pull requests, but mostly 
we have customers that read the source code, especially when they run into uh, an issue. Now, it's not all customers, right? It's it's usually going to be uh, the bigger customers running like data centers or, or whatnot. Um, and they'll go through and they'll read the source code and they'll open up a GitHub issue and say, hey, we saw this here and we'd like it to be like this instead. And we'll have a conversation in GitHub issues. And then if we can't handle it uh, there in that public forum, we'll ask them to maybe open up a support case, especially if we would like need logs. And so, you know, that goes directly into NetApp support. And that's something else I should mention that, you know, Trident's an open source project, but it's also fully maintained and supported by NetApp. Yeah, so you can go through the normal support channels as well. Yep. It also doesn't really cost you anything, right? I mean, you're not, you're not paying to get this. There's no licensing model here. That's right. So um, you mentioned QoS policies, and earlier we were talking about QTrees. Have you guys already added functionality to leverage the new QTree QoS in, in ONTAP 9.8, or is that something that's coming in a future release? So that is in the ONTAP NAS economy driver, but right now it's just traditional um, QoS policy groups that are supported for QTrees. Okay. Uh, so as far as uh, the, the Trident updates, what other things did we get that's new since August? Uh, we now have a third way to install Trident using Helm charts. <laughs> so uh, when we started, there was just Trident CTL, and Trident CTL is the command line installer, and that's still what you you want to use if you have like an air gapped install or need to have a custom install. Uh, but we also support uh, the Trident operator, and you can install with the Trident operator, which makes installing and upgrading easier. Uh, and then the operator has some auto heal functionality built into it as well. Um, and then with the Helm chart, uh, the Helm chart basically just makes it really simple to install, upgrade uh, a vanilla instance of Trident. And it's the Helm chart basically installs the operator. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think a very, very first release or maybe first couple releases, we actually had the customer mostly just run the YAML files themselves. So we had a setup script they ran. And then we realized, well, it would be nicer if they had a Trident control command, which we, which we added. And then as customers <clears throat> and ourselves have, evolved in how we're using Trident and how we're installing Trident. We keep trying to add support for the, the new ways people are doing that. So hence the operator and the Helm chart, just trying to, you know, make our customers' lives easier, our own too, but but more importantly, the customers' lives easier. All right. Sounds like we got a lot in Trident since August. Is, is there anything else before we move on? Yes. We also added certificate-based authentication for ONTAP backends. Um, and, you know, instead of using username, password, uh, one of the problems with that is that there is a backend config file where you have to enter those credentials. And one of the things that we're seeing customers requesting is more and more ways to automate absolutely everything. And by supporting certificate-based authentication, um, that's one way that, you know, the credentials are a little bit more secure, but it also is going to support uh, credential rotation uh, that a lot of customers want to fit into their overall uh, security automation. Okay. Sounds like a, a feature that's been asked for by quite a few people, I would imagine. Yes, it has. <laughs> more more than Flux Group Economy Driver? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> this one guy, Justin, keeps asking for that one. I don't Damn, know. I don't know such guy. a pain. Don't know about that guy. Yeah, That guy's so <laughs> annoying. 
All right. So uh, we've talked a lot about what the new stuff is in Trident. Let's talk about some of the customer use cases that you've seen. Um, and we don't have to talk about customer names because I'm sure that most of them aren't public. But um, you know, what sort of things are you seeing that are interesting out there with how people are using Trident? Well, we've already talked about you know how there's a drive towards automating everything uh, whenever possible, right? Uh, it's storage provisioning, resizing volumes, uh, the credential rotation that we just talked about. Um, but we're also seeing Trident being not only just used, you know, on-prem in the data centers or in the big three hyperscalers, but also in like edge computing environments, uh, for instance, like cell towers and oil rigs and stuff like that, things that you wouldn't normally think of uh, since it's not really in a data center. So can, can you kind of give us like a, an idea of what a workflow might look like? Why, you know, kind of like a real world example, like, you know, someone opens up Netflix and they start a movie and it spins up a container or something like that. Right. So what, what sort of, and I'm not saying Netflix uses us cause I don't know, <laughs> but uh, so, you know, what sort of real world examples might you have like where a, a container might get spun up and tried it might be involved. Machine learning obviously would be one, one use case where you have a lot of <clears throat> um, data that you need to operate on that you need to be able to attach, spin up uh, a container, work on that data and then throw the container away. In that case, you probably have more of an ephemeral, ephemeral container. You know, the it, on demand, it's going to spin up and look at the data and throw it away. But but the output of that, so the input of that would be potentially images or movies or data that it needs to process, and the output could be an updated model. So that that's one sort of workflow. This machine learning workflow of you know uh, training, learning, detecting, um, and evolving on 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 your data. Um, so. Some systems, like the one you mentioned, have online learning recommendation systems where they, they, they learn from your likes and dislikes of things. So if you're suggested a, a picture or a movie or uh, an item to buy and you like it and you, you, you click up, then ultimately under the covers, some of these sites will use uh, machine learning algorithms that are ca called, quote unquote, online learning that are able to update um, the, its understanding of you with with your new likes and interests so that you get hopefully better recommendations or it stops giving you that recommendation. Um, really pretty much anything that uses state is applicable to um, to Trident and, and containers and, and, and Kubernetes in general. Most big customers are, are using it or, or, or dipping their waters are already using it or you know, dipping their toe in, the, in, in, in it now. Right. You can think about it from everything from, you know, database use cases, customer relationship management data, you know, use cases, uh, data processing pipelines, uh, really everything, the, <laughs> the sky's the limit, really. That, that's why this is such an exciting space, too. Um, you know, I, I really loved going to DockerCon and KubeCon and getting to see all the, all the customers, just in general, in the Kubernetes ecosystem and seeing how people are, are, are running and using containers. And, and um, you would hear about... Um, Restaurant, I mean, uh, you know, like uh, fast food chains that are deploying Kubernetes inside the fast food chain. So, like their whole, like in the store, they have Kubernetes clusters. You can hear about cars that have Kubernetes running <laughs> inside of them. You know, vehicles, I should say. Like, um, I've, I've even saw, I even saw a demo once of a, a drone that was spinning up containers as it was flying. Yeah, and they were able to uh, swap the container that was used to fly the drone in, in real time. They'd swap the container out and load a new container in that was the control system for the, for the drone. There was an article the other day running, I think a fighter jet running Kubernetes on board. Yeah. And then 
you know, Rippy, I actually, didn't you get containers running on your watch at one point? I did. I did. And we talked about a couple of years ago, but like three or four years ago, I gave a presentation at KubeCon where I had three watches and I created a cluster and I was able to get uh, Kubernetes running on my watches. So really it can go down really low to the internet of things, or it can go up really big to um, incredibly complicated, you know, vehicles and systems and, and businesses. So yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. So, and it's exciting. Yeah. So Kubernetes has like controller nodes and worker nodes. And uh, we've seen customers run, you know, anything from just a handful of worker nodes to uh, over like 500 worker nodes in one cluster. And also the, with the addition of all these, you know, with every, all these new types of systems that's being deployed on, it's obviously being used on different types of architectures as well. You know, it, it's window, there's a Windows Kubernetes uh, clusters now. There's um, when I did when I did my watch thing that uh, Chuck mentioned a few years ago. That was early alpha days of uh, the ARM processor. The, the the watches I was using were using ARM, but um, so not just Intel architectures, but also ARM processors. Containers exist, so it's really it's it's everywhere. Yeah, and then uh, we should probably mention that Trident also works with you know not just vanilla Kubernetes, but also with OpenShift, Rancher OS. Uh, just platforms left and right, as well as uh, many operating systems. Uh, although we officially, you know, just test with uh, a couple of those, which is in the documentation. We recommend using the supported uh, operating systems. Um, and then the other thing is we also work with the managed Kubernetes services in uh, the hyperscalers as well. One last use case that I'm remembering was, uh, you know, just to briefly mention was, you know, uh, last year or the year before, we had a talk um, about serverless and people are also using Kubernetes clusters to spin up their own serverless implementations, um, which uh, is another use case. So it's even helping, you know, it's even helping in the, in the serverless space as well, which kind of seems odd giving the word serverless, but you still have a server. Anyway, I'm not going to go off on that, <laughs> on that tangent, but yeah. What, what serverless? You don't want to talk about serverless? <laughs> no, we already did that. Let's go back and listen to the previous one. You talked about it. <laughs> I'm good for now. All right, all right. So, yeah, Trident is, like we mentioned before, an open source project that you can find on GitHub. Did you say open source? That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Dudes that come with yeah. meat. It's awesome. And you can find it at github.com slash netapp slash Trident. And you can also see all the commits that we've put up there and from the great team that we work with, um, which is, you know, during COVID in the past year or so uh, has been challenging. And we've also grown the team at the same time, uh, which has also been challenging, but we still uh, hit our release dates, which is, you know, at the end of the month, every three months. Um, and it's a pleasure to work with these guys uh, as well as, you know, our TME, Bala, and uh, also the field. We get a lot of support from the field as well. So shout out to all you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud of all, of all the guys and girls on the team that have been um, working hard. And uh, it's just, it, it's super impressive that we were, of what we were able to do given the macro <laughs> environment. And yeah, it's, 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 it's fun to work with everybody. And um, yeah, it's a really great team. Cool. sounds like uh, everyone's working really hard to make this the best possible thing it could be. Um, even even with the challenges of working remote and not being able to to meet in person, yeah, we, we there's we've had new people added to the team that we haven't that I've yet to be able to meet in person as well, 
And, um, you know, for most of the project, most of the people were sitting in the, in, sitting in cubes, just a few cubes away from me. So this is, it's a different new world, a new way of operating with uh, new people around the world and uh, new people added it that we only see on Zoom calls. But yeah, at least change. we have that. We see our video. Yeah. I mean. At least we have Zoom. At least we have the video. At least, at least there's that. So the warm, the warm embrace of your monitor. Yes, of your ring light. <laughs> uh, yeah, Justin and I have our video off while we're talking about this too. We do because <laughs> nobody wants to see us. Yeah, we have. I have a face made for radio. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> Chuck though, Chuck's got his video on because yeah. he's beautiful. Chuck is dapper. He's dapper. He's the thing is, is he's got he's got a, a light that's about to fall off though. So yeah. <laughs> time now. Yeah, he's too busy working on features. He hasn't had that's a true. chance to fix that. Yeah, the house <laughs> fall apart. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right, so um, Rippy, if we wanted to find more information about Trident, uh, where'd we go for that? Well, you would start talking to Justin. Oh, wait, no, you go on the pub, um, and you can see a lot of our new blog, uh, all the blog posts. Um, Bala is our, one of our TMEs who uh, traditionally has put out really good posts whenever the new features come out. Um, he's and uh, he and uh, Chuck and I and the rest of the team are on the um, containers channel on the pub, um, so that's a good place to go. That's probably probably your first stop. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The pub uh, Slack channel is definitely the place to, to hang out if you're trying to learn more about containers or Trident or whatever else you need to, to do. Yeah. Also, we have a read the docs page. You can go read the docs there as well. I, I can confirm this because yeah. Ripia sent me these many times. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good question, Justin. If only we had documented. Wait, here's the link. Well, what's funny is I'll, I'll, I'll read the doc and I don't see my answer. I'm like, well, okay, let me ask Ripia. And then I go and it's yeah. like, oh, here it is. I'm like, oh, I just, I just yeah. kept finding it. Uh, I don't Obviously. mind. I, I like talking to you, Justin. I don't mind. I don't mind. It's, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I do come up with some interesting uh, corner cases for you, though. So, I mean, it's not you like... You do. A, yeah. Mostly it's... You like, help make the product better. Thanks, Justin. Yeah. It's mostly <laughs> mostly like you know, Kerberizing the containers and that sort of thing. You guys exactly. Really, you guys don't really cover that, so... Well, <laughs> we're kind of interested in the IPsec uh, feature that just got added to ONTAP, so... Maybe well, there you go. That. That'll make it a lot easier than what I was trying to do with Kerberos, because that was... That's a bear, man. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, seen that. I've seen that config, yes. <laughs> yeah. Bleeding All right, edge. cool. Uh, so again, Rippy, if we wanted to find you, I know we can find you in the pub, but where else can we reach you? Yeah, my Twitter handle is at JKRippy, and uh, as Chuck was mentioning, if you wanted to see my watch, it's pinned on my channel there. You can see a picture of it. But three-year-old mm-hmm. watch, but yeah, at JKRippy is my main uh, spot. Could you play Doom on your watch? Uh, probably. Does, yeah. Actually, does it run doom? It could run MAME. So thus you could probably run many old arcade. Games. Have you seen the Reddit thread? It runs doom or whatever. Yeah, I have. I, have. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody did it with like, I think a treadmill or a Peloton or something. Yeah. It's pretty it's awesome. great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Get your workout while you're running from all the, the monsters. Uh, Toaster is so, next. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so Chuck, uh, again, you know, if we wanted to reach you, how do we do that? Uh, well, again, in pound containers on the pub Slack channel or at fchuck at netup.com. All right. Excellent. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. 
As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap Podcast team, I'd like to thank Chuck Fouts and Jonathan Ripley for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. So, my name is David Asloff, and uh, I would love it if, if you uh, could explain Docker. I mean, what is a Docker? Okay, I'm going to try my is best to explain this. A Docker container is a lightweight, standalone, comfortable package of software that can run on application code, runtime, system tools, libraries, and settings. That's Docker. <laughs> off, off.